0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, August the 15th, 2022. It is currently 8.54 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I need you to find a Bible. I don't know if you have one nearby. I don't know if you have one on your phone, on a tablet, but I need you to open a Bible that has a table of contents. I need you to find a Bible that has the table of contents. And I, no, I, I mean it. I need you to actually pick up a Bible and open up the table of contents. I, look, I see some of you. You're just ignoring me. I need you to pick up a Bible, and look at the table of contents. All right. If you can't look at the, if you're, if you don't have a Bible with the table of contents, just. Just do a Google search for books in the Bible and it will give you a list, okay? There you go. I need you to f- find the 66 books that are in, that are in our Bibles, okay? Not not the Catholic apocrypha, but uh, the 66 books that we would say is in the non-Catholic Bible there. It, does does that work for you? Does does that help at all? I need you to have a list of those books, okay? Please participate. Now, as you look at your table of contents, You'll see a number of books here. You have a book, Zephaniah, Obadiah, Micah, Joel, Hosea, Ezekiel, Judges, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. You, you, you have all of these books. We could go to the New Testament. You have 1st John. You have Hebrews. That's an important one. 1st Thessalonians. Oh. That's an important one for for what we're going to be talking about. First Corinthians, second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, you just see all of these books that are listed. And what I want you to realize is that when you look at those books, when you look at that list, each one of those books, they are actually a portal. They are a portal that you can step into and it takes you, it transports you to a completely different place and time. See, we see them as books. We open them up and we turn the page and we see words and we reach in, grab those words, rip them out, and we use them for whatever we want, however we want. We interpret them, we apply them, we use them to speak for or against other people. We use them maybe to to either excuse or condemn ourselves we use the words to excuse or condemn other people. We just kind of, we just open the book. We see words and we just jump in and grab those words. And in fact, you know that. So when, it doesn't matter if you're reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. When you, when you read those books, you just open it all up and you immediately read the words and you just start dealing with the words. You just, you start trying to apply them. You start trying to interpret them. You just immediately go to the words. And you know that's what you do. You know that's what, because that's what we all do. We just, we have a tendency just to jump directly into the words and we start doing whatever we want every day all across the world, either on podcast or radio or in print. There are daily devotionals, daily devotionals, right? I got one right here. I got I got two right here. I got the "Stand Firm" God's challenge for today's man, the Fall twenty twenty two issue of the Lifeway Devotional. Right, and I, I I just bought this. I'm waiting to use it. It starts in September. But if you if I just open it up, the very first one for September the first, Leviticus five one through five. So it gives that's what you on that day. I'm going to read Leviticus five one through five. And then immediately read what they have here in the devotional. Guess what? They don't talk. They don't, they don't give me any information. They just focus on the words. I have right here the feature, a daily Bible study guide. And if I, if I go to today is August the 15th. If I go to August the 15th here, it's first Peter chapter five, verses one through 11. They immediately start dealing with those words. There's, there's nothing. It just, they just go to the words. They, they just see them as words. That, that's just, we've been almost trained to look at them as books with words. But I think what we really need to realize is they are portals that take us, listen, to other countries, to another time where we are, we, we immediately enter into another country, another time with people speaking a different language, With different cultural ideas, different moral ideas, different ideological ideas, different political structures, different religious maybe ideas. We, we step into a world that is so far removed from everything we know. Like when we, if, if we were to literally step into the portal, like in a literal way, not, not in a metaphorical, you know, allegorical way, but if you'll really see these books as portals, The minute you step into the portal, you would look around being like, wait, wait, what's that? Wait, what's going on? Wait, why can't you do that? Wait, why is that wrong? Like, what are you talking about? Wait, what? What's happening? I don't understand because everything would be different. Everything, culture, ideology, religion, politics, everything, language, everything would be so different. But for some weird reason... We seem to think that we can just ignore all of that, go right to the words, and then properly interpret it. And I'm telling you, we cannot do that. Even though you've been convinced that you can, even maybe other people have told you that you can, the reality is you cannot. You, Before you step through the portal, you need some information about where you're going, You need some information about what's going on. You need some information. Think of it this way. All right. Maybe you'll understand this. Maybe you will not. But in the United States, if I can speak correctly, in the United States military, I was trying to say United States Air Force because I was in the Air Force. But then I thought, well, instead of being one branch of the military specific, I'll just be more just in general, the military in general, I I know how it worked in the United States Air Force. I'm assuming this is how it works in other branches of service. But if we were going to be deployed... Right. Hey, we have a situation happening wherever uh, we got we got something going on in North Korea. We need to get you to South Korea or we got a situation developing in the Middle East and Iraq or wherever. And we're going to be sending you to Turkey. Are we going to be sending you to Saudi Arabia? Or we're going to be or you're going to be going to some undisclosed location somewhere in Iraq, maybe somewhere near Baghdad, whatever the case may be, or in Afghanistan or wherever. When you get to your, when you're going through the processing line, at some point, you're going to be receiving some briefings about the country you're being deployed to. You're going to get some basic information about the country, maybe things to, uh, maybe uh, things about insects or, or wildlife or things you need to, pr- to protect yourself from, the medical uh, different diseases and what those symptoms are. You're going to be giving a, an in-country briefing about where you're going, what to expect, what you need to know. Now, it's not extensive. It's giving you the basics of the basics. Well, in a roundabout way, when it comes to the Bible, you need kind of a an in-country briefing. Hey, before you get there, Before you start looking at the words, here's all this background information that you need. The way I placed it in my notes, each book of the Bible is a portal into a world centuries removed from you, from me, from your church, from our church. It is a world with different languages, different culture, different morality, different religion, different geography, different political structure. Trying to just jump into the portal and start interpreting and understanding anything in it correctly, you need to take time to grasp the background. Now, with that, I can say welcome to the Bible Study Exercise Series and welcome to our attempt to structure and develop the best Bible study method ever. The most comprehensive Bible study method ever. That is what we are working on. In part one, what I gave you is an overview of this method. And this this method really, it really includes multiple methods, basically four different methods that we are going to ultimately put together and say, here's everything you need to do to actually study a book of the Bible. Here's, here's, but what we're doing is there there are four methods. So I'm going to teach them as separate methods, but then ultimately you will put them together. If you listen to part one, you'll get the overview. It will all make sense. So here's what we're going to do tonight, probably for the next hour. I'm hoping I can finish this in an hour, but what we're going to do is I'm going to introduce you to the book background method of Bible study. Now, remember, this is its own individual method but put together with the other three, we get the most comprehensive method of Bible study. So these are individual methods that you group together. You do all of the steps and you get the most comprehensive approach to studying a book of the Bible that you can find anywhere that you, and again, this is for you to use so that you can study, so that you can grasp and understand what's in the Bible. That's so important. So tonight, it's all about the book background method of, of Bible study. But I, I, I don't want to stay here too long. We already spent 10 minutes. But I just got to remind you, I, just, I want you for now on to see that the books of the Bible is a portal. Again, centuries removed from the, from the time you live. Everything is different. And you've got to understand that. You've got to understand all of that background. You've got to understand the cultural differences, the, geogra- the geography, The you got to understand it all. Because if you do not, if you do not, you're going to be doing things to those words that was never intended to, to happen. You're going to be making it say things it was never intended to say. And And to me, it's the ultimate example of narcissism we really think the Bible is all about us, written, written to us, for us, about us. We, it, it's so disrespectful to the original authors. It's so disrespectful to the original audience. We're like, forget all of you. This is about me. This is about my life. This is about my hopes and dreams and my purposes. I and mean, it's about me. Instead of going, whoa, 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 wait. This was written by someone to a specific people in a specific time. We, we obliterate that over and over. And even though we may give it lip service, like so many times in a, if you go to a church that does verse by verse, at the very beginning of their study, if they're going to go verse by verse to a book, they will give you at least one sermon that gives you a basic overview of the book. But what's absolutely mind-blowing sometimes is by the time you get into week three, week four, week five, week six of your series, they've almost completely forgotten All of that background information, and they start making every passage about you, making it practical, making it applicable, making it relevant, and and, and it's like, no, we are forgetting this. Now, I'm not saying every single church does that, but I've just seen some that do a great job with the overview, a great job given the history and the background, and then it's just almost magically forgotten later on. I, I will argue all day, people do this constantly with the book of Hebrews. How can you study the background of the book of Hebrews and not realize that so much of our interpreting the book of Hebrews is completely wrong? the background completely changes the way you have to interpret the book of Hebrews. It's written 66, 67 AD, right before the temple about to be destroyed and Judaism is about to be wiped off the face of the earth. It's being written to Jews, basically telling them if you cling to your Judaism, you're not going to have a sacrifice for sins. You're not going to have salvation. It's not so much about soteriologically losing salvation. It's clearly about the historical situation that a Jew was about to be in because their entire religious system was about to be wiped off the face of the earth. So they needed, they not only needed something else, they needed something better. And that's kind of what the book does. But so many times people then get into those warning passages and start telling, no, you can't lose your sight. They immediately start looking at it from a soteriological perspective, arguing about whether you can lose your salvation. And they forget the historical background, even though they may have actually given the historical background When they introduce the book, it's like, why do we so constantly disconnect the words from all of this other information? It's a portal, and we need the briefing, per se, before we enter in. So the book background method is going to help you figure out how to do this. And this becomes step one in this comprehensive method of Bible study that we're trying to put together. This is the first thing you do. You open the Bible. You come to the book that you're going to study, and the first thing you say, this is a portal, and before I step into it, before I enter in trying to figure out what's going on, I need all of the background I can have before I enter into the book. How do I gather that background information? What steps do I take? Well, I'm here to help you. You need the book background method of Bible study. It is designed to help you understand the background so that you can properly understand the contents of the book. Here's the general rule. If you don't understand the background of the book, you cannot properly understand the contents of the book. Now, I told you to look at the table of contents. I would challenge you to do this. Nobody ever does, but I always challenge people to do this. Grab a notebook. Look, start, start with the book of Genesis. Give me all the historical background about the book of Genesis. Go. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. How many of the books of the 66 could you even write down one paragraph of significant background information that gives you a good head start in trying to interpret the book? It, this is literally the way it should work. If someone wants to start arguing with you about how to interpret a verse of the book, you, before you engage in that argument, you should ask them, can you give me the background, like the historical background to the book? And if they can't, let me, let me stay, state it again. You cannot properly interpret the contents of the book until you properly understand the background of the book. That would, that would stop so much argument and so much disagreement in the, in the body of Christ if everyone was basically, it was mandatory. Don't You can't offer an interpretation until you can demonstrate you properly understand the background because you cannot properly interpret if you don't properly understand the background. It would, it would fix so much within the church. It really would, but nobody's going to ever make that a requirement. Nobody's ever going to care. Nobody's ever going to follow through, but it is important. All right, now, why should we study backgrounds? I think I've already made it very clear, but I'll just read here. In order to get the full impact of what a biblical writer is saying, it is necessary to transport ourselves back into the time in which he lived. Since we are centuries removed from biblical times, we must try to see their word through their eyes, feel what they felt, and then understand what they wrote and why did they write it. One of the primary rules of interpretation states, this is very important, this is a primary rule of biblical interpretation. This is a primary rule of biblical interpretation. Here we go. The Bible was written in the midst of history. It can only be understood in light of that history. The Bible was written in the midst of history. It can only be understood in light of that history. You cannot interpret the Bible correctly if you ignore the influence of the times in which it was written. Serious biblical students will always want to know the geographical, historical, cultural, political, and religious backgrounds of the passage of the book they are studying. Furthermore, before we can understand the way we are to apply the passage to us today, we must be first sure how it was applied during the times it was first written. So many times when people want to apply a passage, you 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 have to stop them and go, how was it originally applied? What was the original application? Well, I don't know. Well, then stop trying to apply it today. We got to figure out the original interpretation, the original application. We got to we got to understand the history. It was written in the midst of history. We have to understand that history if we're going to properly interpret it in the present. All right? That's so important. So here's, we're going to begin by starting with this. This is how we're, I just looked over at the time. We're already at 19 minutes. Oh, we got a lot to do. Here we go. First, I'm going to give you the tools that you're going to need. This Bible study method absolutely demands, it absolutely requires reference tools. You are going to need the more tools you have available the more things you have in the toolbox to use so that you can properly understand the history and the background so that you can properly understand the book. A lot of Christians don't want to spend any money having reference tools. Now, the good thing is you can get a lot of information via the internet, but it's good to have some reference tools. So I'm going to point you to some specific ones and hopefully this will be very helpful. So you need the right tools. Look, there's very few things you can accomplish if you don't have the right tools. You don't have the right kind of screwdriver. I, I don't know anything about tools, but uh, well, I hear screwdrivers, hammers, I don't know. Whatever things you need, I just know you've got to have the right tools, okay, before you can accomplish what you need to accomplish, right? You just, you need them. So let's start with just the basics. You absolutely have to have at least a minimum of two Bible dictionaries, I would argue you need three. You need three completely different Bible dictionaries. And the reason I always emphasize this is because you can have we. You, if you listen to the teaching of, of, of Victory Baptist Church, if you listen to the teaching of our church, you hear this happen. If I don't. For those who don't know, we have Bible dictionaries in pretty much every pew, and I constantly, in the middle of a sermon, say, "Okay, everyone, grab their Bible dictionary. Let's look this up." Well, we have at least one or two people in the church who have their own separate Bible dictionaries. And you'll hear me saying, what does yours say? Okay, wait, what does that say? And guess what we'll find? We'll get different dates or different information. So you want two or three, well, you want three Bible dictionaries so you can see, is there agreement on this information or is there disagreement? If there's disagreement, then that means I probably cannot be dogmatic. If there is 100% agreement, that gives me a greater chance of of uh, being dogmatic about something. You need three Bible dictionaries. You just, you need, you need three Bible dictionaries. You just have to have three. I'm sorry. You have to have three Bible dictionaries. All right. Number one, you need probably two Bible handbooks. Three dictionaries, two Bible handbooks. Two Bible handbooks. And if possible, you need a Bible encyclopedia Three dictionaries, two handbooks, and at least one, one Bible encyclopedia. This should be just like the standard. Now, what it should be is your church should have these resources for you. They should. Um, I don't know. Churches would rather, I guess, have a place for coffee and donuts instead of a good good resource library for their—some churches want a bookstore where people can buy books, which is just ridiculous— Get, put the books on a library that anyone can use at any time all right so uh, now at uh, many and and, and and now sometimes this does happen because it's happened our, at our church we've had plenty of dictionaries we've had encyclopedias we've had handbooks and then they all disappear and we never see them again I don't care to me take whatever don't ever bring it back I don't care if you leave the church I don't care as long as you're using the book I don't care someone breaks in and takes all the books I don't care as long as they use them but you need to make sure people have dictionaries. You need to make sure people, if they can, have access to a good encyclopedia and good Bible handbooks. I probably need to buy some more Bible handbooks um, for our church now that I'm thinking about it because we we had some really nice ones and I think they all disappeared. But you need those: three dictionaries, two handbooks, one encyclopedia. Th- these are just basic tools. If you you if you're, you you can't do background study without the tools. Right now I'm just gonna give you the name of some other books that I suggest. Most of these books are easily purchased at amazon.com. There's like one or two that is out of print, probably can find it on eBay, all right? I'm gonna go through these quickly, I know this is going to slow everything down, but once we get to the actual method, I think it will go relatively quick. As long as I can get through this by by the 30-minute the mark, I think I've got a good 30 minutes then to finish everything else. Are you ready? I'm going to go through these quickly. If you need me, if you need to sit me to send you the list, email me at newsif at yahoo.com, Newsif at yahoo.com. If you're a member of the Theology Central Book Club on Amazon, well, I've added most of all of these books to the book club list. And to join, you go to theologycentral.net, look for the tab that says book club. You join the book club. It's absolutely free. You don't have to buy anything. But anytime I'm going to talk about a book, I add it there so it's easy for people to find. All right. So here are the books. So I hope you're ready to write quickly. All right. I'm going to give you a second if you need anything to grab something to write with. Here we go. First book, book number one, Archaeology and Bible History. Archaeology and Bible History by Joseph Free and Howard Voss. Archaeology and Bible History. Archaeology and Bible History by Joseph Free and Howard Voss. That's published by Zondervan. Archaeology and Bible History. Archaeology and Bible History. I think that one is super easy to find. The next one is not so easy to find. Uh, I say, no, that was the Bible. No, uh, archaeology in the Bible. All right, okay. Now, the second one, this is where it gets confusing. The first one, archaeology in the Bible. Uh, Archaeology and Bible History. All right, if I can say it correctly. Archaeology and Bible History by Joseph Free and Howard Voss uh, from Zondervan. Archaeology and Bible History. The second one is the Bible and archaeology. (laughs) So the first one is archaeology and Bible history. The second one is the Bible and archaeology. I think I was calling it archaeology and the Bible, but it's archaeology and Bible history. That's the first one. The second one is the Bible and archaeology by J.A. Thompson. By J.A. Thompson. And that's from Erdman's. The Bible and Archaeology by J.A. Thompson. So the first one is Archaeology and Bible History by Joseph Free and Howard Voss. The second one is The Bible and Archaeology by J.A. Thompson-Erdmans. The third one is Everyday Life in Bible Times by the National Geographic Society. However, I think that book is now completely out of print. Everyday Life in Biblical Times. So I have a kind of a replacement. You can probably find it on eBay. Everyday Life in Bible Times by the National Geographic Society. But I found something else from the National Geographic Society that I think will work. This one is called Archaeology of the Bible, The Greatest Discoveries from Genesis to the Roman Era. Archaeology of the Bible, The Greatest Discoveries from Genesis to the Roman Era. This is, it's a hardcover. It's, it is, it does cost $30. However, you can find used copies for $12. Um, Archaeology of the Bible, The Greatest Discoveries from Genesis to the Roman Era from National Geographic. Now, please note, this is not written from a, from a Christian perspective. This is almost the, 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 this is coming at more from a secular perspective, but even from a secular perspective, they acknowledge some of the discoveries, some of the archaeological discoveries that give us insight about the biblical times. Now, they may use some of these things to maybe try to explain something away. I just think it's an interesting thing to have something from a, a kind of a different perspective. Archaeology of the Bible, the greatest discoveries from Genesis to the Roman era, and that's from National Geographic. And again, you can get it for like $12 used copy. That's 352 pages, all right? So let's go through these again. You have, uh, so th- uh, three Bible dictionaries, one Bible encyclopedia, two Bible handbooks. You want, uh, if you can find a copy of Archaeology and Bible History by Joseph Free and Howard Voss. Second, The Bible and Archaeology by J.A. Thompson. Third, Everyday Life and in in Bible Times by the National Geographic Society. However, that one is probably out of print, So I've given you a replacement, archaeology of the Bible, the greatest discoveries from Genesis to the Roman era from National Geographic, all right? Next, if I can get back to my notes, next, a great people of the Bible and how they lived. Great people of the Bible and how they lived. That one I think is possibly out of print, but you probably should be able to get it for relatively cheap. Uh, probably eBay or somewhere, great people of the Bible and how they lived. Next, Harper's Encyclopedia of Bible Life. Harper's Encyclopedia of Bible Life. You should be able to find that on Amazon um, and it should be easily easy to find. Harper's Encyclopedia of Bible Life. Next, the Oxford History of, of the biblical world. The Oxford history of the biblical world. All right? The Oxford history of the biblical world. Next, the Wycliffe historical geography of Bible lands. The Wycliffe. Historical, ge- if I can read this correctly, the Wycliffe historical geography of Bible lands. The Wycliffe historical Geogra- geography of Bible lands. Wow, that's a mouthful. The Wycliffe, Wycliffe historical geography of Bible lands. Wycliffe is W Y C L I F F E. Wycliffe historical geography of Bible lands. That one may be a little hard to find. But those are all books that will help you start digging in to the archaeology, archaeological discoveries, biblical times, the lands, the geography. It will give you some things. And so I will give you just one more, one more, because I know this one is easily available and it's very famous. Rose Book of Biblical Charts, Maps, and Timelines. The Rose Book book of Bible charts, maps, and timelines. All right, you can get it for $22 or you can buy it for uh, used copies for $12. This is the 10th anniversary edition of Rose book of Bible charts, maps, and timelines. It features over 200 Bible charts, maps, and timelines and includes more pages, uh, six extra topics, updated information, and a bonus 24 I don't don't know the measurement there, a fold out on Jesus' family tree. It is the number one Bible reference book and it celebrates its 10th anniversary. It's a 230-page edition. And you can, uh, you should, I mean, I think you definitely want a copy of that. Rose Book of Bible Charts, Maps, and Timelines. There you go. Those are some tools you need. I had to have to go through those quickly. I apologize if you need me, and I apologize for having trouble saying Wycliffe Historical Geography of Bible lands and having trouble saying archaeology and Bible history. Okay, because I was trying to say archaeology and the Bible, but hopefully I corrected them enough and you're good to go. All right. There you have well, we're at 31 minutes. I'm a I'm a little bit late, but that's okay. I was trying to hurry. Those are all books. Try to grab some of those, even if you can't grab all of them. The main thing you need, though, is three Bible dictionaries, two Bible handbooks, and one encyclopedia. If you can't get the encyclopedia, then do this. If you can't find an encyclopedia, three dictionaries and three handbooks. Do that. If you can't find the encyclopedia, three handbooks, three um, Bible dictionaries. And if you, if you don't know which handbook to get, let me know, all right? Okay, there, Okay, someone said they got the list. Awesome, all right, someone got the list. That's good. Thank you so very, 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 very much. Now, I know we're at 32 minutes. Oh, time, 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 all right? That took me way too long to get through. I knew it was, I kept worried about how am I going to pull this off? Like, do I just do a special episode where I just give a list of tools? But, okay. and, and it didn't go as smoothly as I wanted, but that's okay, are you ready? this is what we've been waiting for. Here are the steps for the background method. Again, I want you to see the books as portals. And before you step through that portal, you got to, you got to get some information. You got to, you got to learn about where you're going. You got to learn about what you're getting ready to encounter. You got to learn about the people, the times. You got to learn about everything. So here's what we do. First thing, step number one, choose the book you will be studying. Wow, I'm glad I, I told you that, that step, right? But you got to choose the book, or I like to say, choose the portal you're about to step through, right? You got to choose the portal you are about to step through. Number two, you need to gather. Now, this is very important. Now, most people don't tell you to do this. You need to gather and list all of the tools you will be using in your study. Here's the reason why. If you are going to if you do a good job and writing everything down in your study and if you do a good job in keeping your notebooks at any point in time you can go back to that notebook you'll see the list of tools you use and you may and over time you may realize man I've I've been using those those tools are obviously very helpful because I've used them like in 20 studies or whatever the case may be you always want to Number one, choose the book. Number two, gather all of your tools and then on paper, write down the tools you're going to use. I know everyone skips this. Everyone always does. But you want, whenever you see the information you're writing down, you want to know where that information came from. And what I would say, every any information you write down, you can you can create, like you can list your tools, right? And you can just create a little abbreviation for each tool. And then, at whenever in your notes, when you're writing down information that comes from it, you can just write down the abbreviation at the end, so that you, when you see that statement, that's where it came from. You can write down the abbreviation and page number, so you know the book. So that you, you, in a sense, you're you're giving your 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 in a sense you have your footnote. You have your you have your bibliography of all the sources that you have used. I think that's super important because this is this this entire method is all about. The tools you're using. So I, you want at the very beginning to, to list every tool you're going to use, give it a very short abbreviation, and then use that abbreviation in your notes, wherever you're writing down where you got that information from. Even if you're just paraphrasing the information, you can say, you know, whatever, whatever abbreviation you give, you know, Nelson's Bible Dictionary, NBD, page six. And we use the Nelson's, uh, well, we use the Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary. So N-I-B, N-I-B-D, the uh, Nelson's uh, Illustrated Bible Dictionary. I think it's N-I, I I think it's, well, I I don't have a copy in front of me, but it's the Nelson's, I think it's called the Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary, but Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary would work, N-I-B-D, and then just put the page number. A lot of people skip that. I do not know why. You want to know where you got that information because if you, if you, because I think you should study the Bible with the intention of looking for people to share your study with, right? Okay. Well, where did you get that? Well, and, and, and if you get, if you, if someone says something, you're like, no, 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 The history explains it. And you give them that. Well, where did you get that? Give me one second. Let me go find my notebook. Boom. Okay. pulled the notebook out. Oh, that was from that Bible dictionary, page six. Okay, I know what you're saying. That's just ridiculous. No, it's God's word. It's not ridiculous. It's it's you caring enough to ensure that you've got the right information. All right? So choose the books, gather your tools, and make a list right there at the very beginning on your notebook. Here are the tools I used. Here's my abbreviations. Number three. Some people refer to this as the five W's. I just wrote them out this way. Who? Who? when, where, why, and whom. <laughs> That's the way I decided to go with it. Who, when, where, why, and whom. Before you even step foot through the portal, you need to know the who, when, where, why, and whom of the, bo- of the portal you're about to step into. So here, here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to figure out who wrote the book, who is the author of the book? That's very simple, very straightforward. We don't need to explain it. Who wrote the book? Number two, when was the book written? When, now this is very important. When was the book written? When does the events talked about in the book occur? When, for example, Moses, if we believe in the Mosaic authorship of Genesis, Well, Moses wrote it obviously way after the events. So the dating of the book is not the same date as the, when the events were occurring. So when, when it comes to the, when you got to, when was the book written? When does the events talked about in the book occur? The dating of the writing does not always match the dating of the events. Especially if you're in a prophetic, like sometimes you'll have the book was written at this point in time, but that, that destruction of whatever didn't happen for another 40 or 50 years. That's very, very important. So when, so who wrote the book? When, when was the book written? When does the events talked about in the book occur? This is going to be very important later on. And in in a roundabout way, if you do it right there, if you figure that out right then, you help yourself later on in the study. Who wrote the book? When was the book written? When does the events uh, uh, talked about in the book occur? I just I just put two different wins right there. I could have probably found a different way to be clever, but that's okay. Who wrote the book? When? When was it written? When do the events occur? Next. Where was the book written? Where was the book written? Now, not uh, sometimes we know, sometimes we do not know. Sometimes it's significant, sometimes it not, may not be significant, but I you want to know where was the book written. Right? And try to and when you when you write out where the book was written, give as much information if you have the city. Do you know? Do you know the region? Do you know the the country? Do you know? Do you know the empire? Like as much detail as you can have. This book was written in this city, which was located in this country and under this empire. Whatever the case may be, and this can be very important when you're talking, especially in the Old Testament, major or minor prophets. Wait, the prophet wrote it where and who? And, and well. We can add more to it, but knowing because you got the the division of the kingdom, northern and southern kingdom, sometimes that can be significant of where it was written, but okay. So who wrote the book? When was the book written? When do the events talked about occur? Where was the book written? Why was the book written? you need to try to make it as simple as possible here you just you' why why was the book written and and this is where you need all the, those Bible handbooks and those Bible dictionaries does everyone agree in the purpose for why the book was written this can have profound impact on how you interpret the book for example first John you ask the average Christian, Why was 1 John written? It was to offer a test to prove whether someone is saved or not saved. I would come along and go, no, it's a polemic against Gnosticism. It's a test to say, this is Gnosticism, which is not the true faith, and this is what is the true. It's a contrast between true faith versus Gnosticism. Everything there is making reference to Gnostic ideas and Gnostic doctrine. It's a polemic against Gnosticism. So you want to look at as many sources. That's why you need multiple sources to see if everyone agrees. Who wrote the book? When was the book written? When does the events talked about in the book occur? Where was the book written? Why was the book written? Whom was it written to? Whom was it written to? So we have who, when, where, why, whom. We're going to add another one here, though. We're going to add another one. You'll see. Because I, 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 I have to add, I have to uh, add one more, but you'll see why. Who wrote the book? When was the book written? When does the events talked about in the book occur? Where was the book written? Why, or why was the book written? Whom was it written to? You need to know who the intended audience was. Was the intended audience the Northern Kingdom or the Southern Kingdom? Who was the, was the audience to believers? Was it to Jewish or Gentile believers? Who was, whom, to, to whom was it written to? And then I added one. So I know everyone calls it the five W's, but we're going to add, I'm going to go right here in my notes. I'm going to put What? So we have who, when, where, why, whom, and what. We're going to call it the six W's, okay? You may have already written the five W's down. That's why you should have used pencil, all right? The six W's, okay? But I I wanted to do it that way so that you would remember the sixth because I, I don't want you to ever forget this one. What was going on? What was going on when this book was written? I want just a basic idea of what was happening. What was going on? What, what was going on when it was written? Not only that, what, uh, what was going on? Let's do this. What was going on when it was written? What was going on at the time of the events in the book? I know I'm turning away from the microphone because I'm typing it out on my iPad. What was going on when it was written? What was going on at the time of the events of the book? What do I mean by that? When I say what was going on, what was going on? Just a basic idea. You don't have, now you're gonna you're gonna be basically doing this two times, but you need like what was going on politically? What was going on culturally? Just a brief. I, just in the Bible dictionaries, they almost always offer just some little glimpse into what was happening at the time. All oh, this was happening. This country was gaining power. Just this is as brief as it can be. Don't go extensive here. Just while you're looking at the dictionary, figuring out the who, the when, the where, the why, the whom, you're going to see the what in some way, shape or form. You're going to see a little bit. They're going to give you, well, this was happening or this was going on or it was a time of political upheaval or there was a time of war or there was a a famine happening in the country at the time or this temple was being built. They'll give you something that will give you about kind of what was going on, what was going on when it was written, what was happening, what was going on during the events of the book. Anything you see, no matter how small it is, you can put it here. This is not to be you start trying to seek out every 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 what. I'm just wanting, this is like basic, basic, basic here. You don't, you don't do anything extra to find this. You don't go trying to find it. You don't try to go search it out. This is just, you just, what you stumble upon. All right. The, the who, when, where, why, whom, and what is not to be extensive. It's to give you the basic information. This is like the, the basic briefings we would get in the military before we were sent somewhere, especially usually for us, it was, it was medical information. Here are the current, you know, issues. These are the current, you know, medical problems, whatever the case may be. So, you know, here's the, the diseases that are very, uh, you know, running rapid in this particular region, you know, just some basic information. This, you're just getting the basics. All right. So, number one, choose. Number two, gather and list your tools. Number three, we're going to call it the six W's. Who, when, where, why, whom, and what. Now, number three. Now, these, I'm not going to be able to give all the details here, but I'm going to give you enough that you can figure out. This is what I want you to do. you research, the geography of the book. This is what I want you to see. Whenever you, whenever you look at, when you, I don't care if it's Leviticus, Exodus, I don't care. You're just basically trying to figure this out. What location does most of the book focus on or where do most of the events occur? I want you to just try to figure out where, where is this happening? Where, where, where is most of this occurring? Now, you may find that there's lots of different geographical locations mentioned in the book, and that may give you a lot of different geography to look up. But I just want you to try to summarize where does the bulk of this happen? Now, you may end up with four different areas. You may be like, we've got Egypt, we've got Canaan, we've got here. Like, But I, I, don't, think, I don't think in most cases you're going to be like overwhelmed. Just try to figure out where most. And you say, well, well, how do I find this? Sometimes it's just taking, you get the book and you just start skimming through it, looking for locations, looking for any geographical reference. And you, and, and all you have to do is you're skimming the book. Just start writing down the geographical references. Mount Sinai, where's that? Egypt okay we got that okay okay where where they're in the wilderness of what Wait, the Red sea okay where's the just just you just start gr- riding them down now it should not take you long when you start looking up some of these locations to go oh all of this takes place within like a you know four hundred miles okay okay i this this is the area this is the region you just start looking Trying to figure out where does most of these events in the book occur? Where's the general location? You're not trying to find every specific thing. General location. All right? General location. Right? Um, Basically, this is the question you're asking. What is the effect of the geography on what I'm studying? You just want to determine the basic location, and then as you're as you're thinking about the book, as you're thinking about the book, you just want to be asking yourself, okay, what is significant about anything? Like, is Mount Sinai significant? Well, some pretty significant events occur there, don't you agree? Where where did Abraham try to offer up Isaac? Like Whenever you have a significant event happening in a geographical location, you may want to then look at something about the geographical location, trying to go, is there something significant about this geographical region? Is there something significant about this geographical location? What can I know? And, And this is not about you trying to find, please hear me. This is a background. All you're trying to do is just getting a, okay, if someone was to ask Leviticus, where are they at when Leviticus is written? Where are they at? Where are they at? You you should know that. When they're wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, exactly where is that at? Is there any significant geographical locations in that story? All you're trying to do is find the major, just the, the basic concept and then ask yourself what, all you're trying to answer is, what is significant about this geography and how does it impact what I am studying. If you conclude, I mean, they went a lot of places, but I don't see how any of this really impacts what I'm studying. It's perfectly okay to skip it, but at least have a a working knowledge that you can say, no, they were here. No, 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 no. They were here. No, they were right. Just a basic idea. Now, as you're researching the geography, you're, you're going to have to kind of, you may have to kind of skim through the book and start making a list of the geographical locations. You'll start looking up those geographical locations. And then if you have a book of Bible maps or a Bible atlas, then you can look it up and try to see it and try to envision exactly what, what's going on. You may conclude that ah, this doesn't help me at all. Or you may conclude, wait a minute, wait, that was happening right there. Like, where was Job? Now, when you start, like, if you start reading Job, you're going to find out Job takes place somewhat close to the time of Abraham. So where was Abraham and where was Job? Is there any significance to that? It may help, may it may not help, right? So research the geography of the book. Just go through the book, try to determine the basic geographical location where everything is occurring. Be asking the question, what is the effect of the surrounding geography on what I am studying? If you, if you know, as you kind of go th- skim through the book, wait, 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 what's going, wait, they're on what mountain? Wait, what's how, if it, if it seems that the text emphasizes the, the, the location, then you always want to know the location. But you start, start, now typically, a lot of times the Bible dictionary, again, or the Bible handbook is going to hint at something maybe about the geography. And you're probably going to, a lot of times you're already going to get a basic idea. So this this sounds harder than it is. It really isn't. When you're going through the dictionary and the handbooks or an encyclopedia, you're going to start, a lot of this information is just going to be thrown at you. Now, you may have to spend some time going, let me do a little bit of like skimming through. And it's, it's supposed to be fun and laid back. You're just skimming through going, okay, what's the basic location where this occurs? I'm looking for any geographical, you know, location mentioned, any place. Oh, oh, I got a place. Okay, where is that? Where is that? And then you just look it up. Just make it fun, laid back. Don't don't, don't put any pressure on yourself, right? There's the geographical. Next, so number one, choose the book. Number two, gather and list all of your tools. Number three, the six Ws, the who, when, where, why, whom, and what. Number three, research all the geography. Number four, research the historical background. When are the events occurring? Now, you've already kind of figured out when the events are occurring, so you probably already have an idea of what of when, what's going on. What is going on at the time that could impact our understanding of the text? Is there something going on at the time that helps me understand what? Well, I know this in 1 Corinthians. There's some situations spoken of about the physical relationship between a husband and a wife and maybe the frequency of their intimacy, Right. And you may kind of look at that like, what in the world is going on? And then you realize, wait, this is being written to a church in the city of Corinth. There was a temple there of a false religion. Oh, yeah. And there was temple prostitutes who would go out and basically said, you know, you can worship God by engaging in sexual activity. Well, that would put a lot of people maybe in that church at great risk of being tempted. Right. So, sometimes a little bit of historical background. What's going on at the time can be significant in understanding it. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. What's the whole deal with meat offered unto idols? Now, so you just need some basic information. So, what are the events occurring? What is going on at the time that could impact our understanding? Many In most cases, most Bible dictionaries will will at some point in it say the historical context right? The historical context. So, In other words, in the Bible dictionary, you look up the book of Leviticus, somewhere there will probably say, here's the historical context. And all you're doing is looking. And you're not trying to write down, listen, you're not trying to write down everything. You're looking for anything going, that will help me understand the book. That will help me understand what I'm getting ready to read. That will help me. And then you write that down. And again, write down the reference and the page number. You don't have to put it down word for word. You can par- paraphrase it. You can summarize it. But it, it, you say, well, I, I don't know what's going to be helpful or not helpful. That, that's a skill you will have to develop. You may, you may not know. So you may write down more than you need. It's, but your job is to know the history as much as possible. So you research the historical background. Next, I'm going quickly. This one is often overlooked. You have to research the religious background. What is going on religiously at the time that the events are occurring? What is going on religiously? What is happening? What, what's the dominant religion? What's the dominant gods? What's the dominant idols? Like what's happening religiously? If you understand what's going on religiously at the time, sometimes it changes everything. For example, if you understand the religion of ancient Egypt and all of their deities and all of their gods, then you see the, the plagues that happened in the book of Exodus. Guess what will magically happen? All of a sudden you'll realize now, because when you read the story at first, it makes no sense. Why is God doing all of these plagues? He could just say, let my people go. You're going to let my people go. Change your heart. They let the people go. It could be over in two seconds. Why this long, drawn-out production? It makes no sense. And then you realize every plague is an attack upon an Egyptian deity. God used the plagues to demonstrate that he was the true God and destroyed all of their false gods. It was actually God versus the gods of the Egyptians. So you need to research the religious background, everything, anything you can find. You say, well, what can I look for? Well, one, you can just look through, a skim through the book sometimes and look for any, anything that would relate to any religious practices, idols, gods, or anything like that. Again, sometimes, sometimes the Bible dictionary will give you a hint of what was happening at the time religiously. What was going on at the time? What was what was the religion of that time period? Sometimes you're going to know you already know. Now this this is very important. Sometimes you know the events, you know the timing of the events. Remember, I told you to figure out when the events of the book is occurring. So maybe you say it's one thousand to one uh, one thousand BC to one thousand five hundred BC. Well, you can kind of look at world re- world religions. And uh, 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 around 1000 BC, you may get a list of different things and then you can go, well, is that relevant to that area? Wow. I didn't even know that religion existed. There was a religious principle. Does that show up in the book anywhere? Is that why these things are happening? Understand everything about the religious background. What major religious issues were going on at the time? How does it impact the understanding of the text? That all you care about is, does this information help me understand the text better? All right. So let's go through these again. The six W's, who, when, where, why, whom, what. Research, uh, research geography, research historical background, research religious background, and then research the political background, Much of what happened in Israel in the Old Testament and in the Roman world of Jesus, Paul and the apostles, is related to the political environment of the times. There were kings, emperors, rulers, and other powers governed the people of the time. Israel, for example, spent much of its history under foreign rule and even in exile. Other times, they were basically under some type of a theocratic monarchy. Sometimes they were under a theocracy. No, understand the political power structure of the book. What who were the political powers at the time? What was going on? All right. Uh, Egypt, Philistia, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome all played a major part in the Bible. What were these nations like? How did they, and we can go on and on. Just you want to know everything about what was, whenever you see a nation, how was that nation structured? Sometimes all you have to do, like if they mention a nation Babylon, just look up Babylon in a Bible dictionary and dun, 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 da da. They're probably going to tell you a little bit about its political structure. What was the political structure? Right? Political structure. Next, research the cultural background, anything you can find about the cultural background, uh, uh, anything in the book of the people, anything, anything about their cultural ideals, their practices, anything you can learn. Now, sometimes some of these, listen, sometimes you're going to be like, I can't find anything. Don't worry about it. Move on. Move on. You're, You're not going to step into the portal. Listen to me with all the information. This is very, very, very important. You're trying to get the most basic summary. Don't worry. Don't do not. Now, for some of you, this is going to drive you crazy. You're going to be like, I can't find this information. And you're going to try to find it. No, no, no. You don't This Bible study method is not to take up all of your time. This is to just be, you just want to get a basic working knowledge that helps you have the background information so that you're better prepared to step into the portal. But listen to me. Once we get into the text, if you come across something, now you may go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Okay, that name's a, a geographical location. I, I, I need to go. You may have to go back and then use part of the background method to fill in that information later on in your study of the book. Wait a minute, that mentions a king or that mentions, wait, what's going on? What is that rule? All of a sudden you may, wait, that's mentioning something religious. Then you may have to stop in the middle of your, as we move forward in this Bible study method, you may have to go back and revert back to the book background Using your resources to fill in that, that information. But the initial book background is not to become so bogged down. It's, it's, do, do not allow that to happen. What your job is to just, you're just, I just need the most basic information that will give me some insight that when I step into this portal, I'm not completely confused and lost. And it helps me understand what's going on in the context where it was occurring. Right? Then we got the last one. So here we go. Choose the book. Gather and list all of your tools. The the six W's: who, when, where, why, whom, what. Who wrote okay. Number three, research the geography. Number four, research the historical background. Number five, research the religious background. Number six, the political background. Number seven, the cultural background. Now again. If you can't find something, you do not turn this into 18 hours trying to find it. Do not. Okay? Because you're going to be working on these books. What you miss, you're going to be confronted with later on. All right? Number eight, you simply summarize your research. You summarize your research. And you summarize your research by answering these two questions. After you're, you've got all your information, you just sit back and here's the two questions. How does this background information help me understand better what I'm studying? You just simply try to go, how does any of this information better help me understand this book? And number two, what influence did any of these factors have on the subject that I am studying? How did any of this information uh, or these factors have on the subject or book I'm studying? I, I know this information. How does this impact the book? How does this impact it? So number one, how does this background information help me understand what I'm saying? How does this help me understand? And number two, how does this inf- uh, 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 what influence does any of these factors that you learned have on the subject or the book? For example, how does when you figure out that in you're studying Hebrews and you realize, wait a minute, the temple's about to be destroyed, Judaism is about to be wiped off the face of the earth. Wait, how does this influence any uh, uh, any of the factors have on the subject of the book? Well, all of that influences everything because that tells me that this is a warning about the d- removal of Judaism. It's not a soteriological argument about whether salvation is eternal or secure. It, you, we're missing the point. If it's a polemic against Gnosticism in 1 John, that changes everything. So, number one, how does the background information help me understand better what I'm studying? Number two, what influence did any of those factors or these factors have on the subject or book that I am studying? Now, you can, please note, you can change those questions. I just want you to, basically, what I want you to do is just answer two questions. I just want you to basically, the way you're going to summarize your information is basically trying to come up with, what two questions does this information help me answer? If You, you can come up with your own two questions. Just come up with two questions, but you can, you can b- borrow those two and do what you want with it. So number one, how does this background information help me understand better what I'm studying? That simple. I got all this information. How does that help me understand Genesis? How does this information help me understand Leviticus? And number two, what influence did any of these factors have on the book that I'm studying? How did that information impact the book? How does it impact what I'm seeing? Now, I know that those are very similar. So I'm trying to make a distinction there. It's not a great distinction, but I'm just I just trying to give you, for you to think about what what you're seeing. Even, even if those seem very similar, that's okay. I'm trying to get you to answer questions to summarize your information. I don't want you to spend... I think what I'm trying to do here is I don't want this to turn into, you know, six months. I want this to be done quickly, maybe within an hour or two. And you say, but it's not going to be complete. That's okay. This is to get you ready. Now you're ready to enter into the portal. Once you get into the portal, you're going to get confronted. Boom. You're going to get hit with all this information. You're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. Who are these people? Wait, where is that? And you're like, why did I miss this in my my overview? It's okay, because you're not you're you're not going through the whole book now. I could. There's times in the past I've taught this that your first thing do, you have to do is read the book five times, but I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. All right. I may regret not not doing that. I'm always modifying these these methods, but in this particular case. I don't want you even trying to read the book. I want you just gathering all the information so that when you start reading the book, you're already going you're going to go, "Oh, I know what's going on here. Okay, I know what's happening." You in other words, I want it to be like before you step into the portal, you are gathering information that will help you when you open up when you step into the portal and you get in to the other side. There you go. Now Nobody asked any questions. The chat was completely silent. I never know how to interpret that. I want to believe because people are like, wow, I was writing so much down. I've never seen anything like that. This is amazing. Or everyone has fallen asleep going, I've heard this a million times. I don't know which it is, but there it is. There is the book background method of Bible study. Do not allow this method to consume you This is just a fun, relaxing, gathering information. Think of it as basically you're just gathering information before you get on the cruise ship. All right. Okay. Someone says they got it all down. All right. That's good. So at least one person got it all down. What's always amazing is how few people say anything in chat. And then when I'm done, how many people are listening. It's always like the numbers are so one person said something. 500 were listening. It's like, well, wait, why? But okay, that's okay. For all of you out there who just like to be silent, I understand. But if you need help, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I guess, I'm, I guess my main take, the main takeaway I want you to have from this is you're gathering background information. Like It's like gathering all the information before you get on the cruise ship. So then when you get to your first excursion or you get to your first destination, you got a basic idea of where you're going, what you're going to do so that you're better prepared to enjoy yourself. This is just gathering as much information that you can find without you know, driving yourself insane. It's not supposed to even feel like work. It's just supposed to be fun. And you're like, okay, I got a pretty good overview. Let's jump in. Now, within minutes, you may stumble and go, wait a minute, who is that? Wait, what's going on? That's okay. That's okay. You, you now, have, But guess what? If you, as soon as you get into the book and you realize you got a problem, you can just immediately revert back and go, one second, I need to do a book background. I need to use some of those book background tools to figure out where this is, what religion this is, what king that is, what is going on, because I don't know. That's perfectly okay. If you miss it at first, it's okay. All right, three dictionaries, three handbooks, or three dictionaries one encyclopedia and two handbooks all those other books i gave you if you can find them for cheap get them if you can't look i would rather you spend the money on the dictionaries the handbooks and the encyclopedia than anything else and if at some point i well i'm always looking at the money we are have or asking uh, oh i always forget it because i have such a hatred for them i thank you so much for mentioning it this this is where you can use that study Bible. Please use the study Bible. Please use the study Bible. There, most of the time at my church, I'm telling you, why did you bring a study Bible? Bad. Don't because I think study Bibles people gen, just just look at the text, look at what the notes are, and uh, it just drives me crazy. They don't actually study. But in this particular case, at and study Bibles, they always have good intros to the books. You definitely want to use that. If you've got a study Bible, this is the time to just use it like crazy. Now, don't just use it alone. You still need to use it in conjunction with the dictionary, the encyclopedia, and the handbooks. All right? But good. Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. You can definitely use study Bibles here. Definitely. Most of all the Bibles I have, none of them have any notes. I I, I, I don't ever buy Bibles with any notes. I don't want notes. I don't want anything. If it was up to me, there wouldn't even be chapter divisions. If it was up to me, if, if it was up to me, I apologize. Almost started coughing. If it was up to me, it would be just just the text. I just want the text. That's all I want. I just want the text. I just want the text. But if you got a study Bible, that's the time to use it. All right. Okay, I think that's I think that's everything. I think so. Yeah, I don't have I, I was looking around to see if I have any study Bibles. I don't have anything. I do have, see, I don't think this has any. Nope. Uh, this is the the pastor's Bible. Uh and it doesn't it doesn't have any notes either. No introductions at all. So I, I don't have anything with introductions or anything. So that yeah, that's just kind of I, I typically like my Bibles that way, but I but I'm not against study Bibles. I just typically keep them on the shelf and use them as a reference tool, not as my reading Bible, studying Bible. I study the text, and then I use my reference tools. In this particular case, before you get to the text, you're studying the reference tools so that you're better prepared to enter into the text, if that makes sense. All right. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We will, hopefully tomorrow, we'll move on to the next method, and we're going to put these four together. You're going to have a very comprehensive method of Bible study. This one is the easy one they go downhill from here. Okay. This one is the simple one. This is the fun one. The book background is a fun Friday night. All right, everyone, let's go to the living room, pop some popcorn. Okay. Everybody got a notebook. All right, let's go tonight. And then you just, you put all, you put uh, like uh, all the names of the books of the Bible in a bowl, right? And, And you have someone, you shake it all up. You have someone in the family, just reach in and go. All right. Tonight we're in Amos. Okay, go. Let's start. All right. Everyone grab reference tools. Let's go. And then one person is the note taker, right? And everyone's looking up information. Okay. What did you find? Oh, I think this is interesting. And then you just have fun for two or three hours and you just make it a fun family event. And it's just fun. It, it, this, is, this is the most non stressful, easy one to do. And you say, well, what if we don't get everything? It's Okay. It's okay. You're just trying to get ready to step into the portal, right? And then you have these tools to revert back to. I know I'm I'm basically repeating myself now. I know. I apologize. All right. We'll stop. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. If you have any questions, email me. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.